Why? <laughs> <laughs> this nigga, bro. <laughs> I just thought about it again, bro. That's really funny. Well, when you count down, hey, up. yo. No, I counted up. I was like, hey, uh, <laughs> one, two. <laughs> That's just dumb. That's dumb. Yo, welcome to another episode of Helping Homies Win the Podcast. To us, you're lifting a generation. I am the homie, Antonio J. Bell. And it's your homie, T. Ross. What up with you, bro? Oh, what's good, bro? Oh, man. I'm just chilling, man. How you been, doc? I'm maintaining, bro. Maintaining? I'm maintaining. <laughs> I feel like that's the that's the most appropriate way to kind of put put things as of late. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, maintaining. I just think about, uh, oh, man, we are recording right now. Um, I just think about, you know, Nipsey, um, personal life, just a lot of things going on. I just think maintaining is probably the best way to kind of take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just embracing the feelings and the emotions that come and, you know, making sure that I'm checking in with myself to make sure that I'm not, um, that the spaces that I'm in are still as productive as can be given the situations. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, that's kind of where I am, bro. So I say, I say, I'm maintaining. How, how no, I feel you, that. Bro? I feel that. It's interesting, bro. I'm like, it's a very interesting space because I feel like good and bad at the same time. Like it's very, um, I feel very conflicted, if you will, because like it's a sense of survivor's remorse. You know, when you think about, like you mentioned, you know, um, Nipsey and everything, and then because um, like things are things are good right now. You know what I mean? I'm in a good space mm-hmm. mentally and like you know physically i feel good psychologically like i feel like i'm you know starting to hit my stride you know what i mean um but at the same time it's like heavy because you know thinking about all of the situations this week um and for those of you listening that may not know if you're not aware um you know we lost you know an amazing uh i want to say man this week um because he's way more than an artist and a rapper um, in Nipsey Hussle, um, he was gunned down in front of his business on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon. And this is the first time where literally everybody I know um, has felt it, you know? Like I can remember other people dying. I mean, people, you know, public figures died, you know, frequently, but this is the first time I feel like the entire community um, is feeling it, you know? Um, so for this week, it really set the tone for me. Um, as far as like how I'm looking at life and just how my days have been, have been very much influenced by, by that, you know, tragedy on, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, um, I definitely hear that, bro. I, I just think about just throughout my week, just my week alone, bro. It's been however many days and, I feel like, you know, I'm getting through the days and things are, you know, things are good. I feel like I've 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 had a really successful week, but then like it's like in the back of my mind I'm still thinking about Nip, you know what I mean? What he stood for and just yeah. how the community is feeling. You know, even aside from being online on social media and seeing it, just literally going through the day, it's like I'm reminded of how influential he he was. You know what I mean? And and and, and still taking the time to listen to his music read to his articles, watch his interviews, it feels like he's still alive. You know what I mean? Like yeah. his legacy clearly lives on, but 
the impact, bro. Like I can't, I can't even really put it into words, but it's, 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 it's permanent. You know, that, that's what I feel. Like, yeah. I feel as though yeah. it's permanent because it's so ingrained in just the way we move. And I think he set such a great example for, for our community and then for even those outside the community, which I think is, is a testament to just who he was as a man, like you said, you know, beyond his artistry. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, a sense of survivor's remorse, you know, because you look at somebody like Nip um, and he's came out of, you know, He's a rose that came out of concrete, if you will. And for him to reach the heights that he reached and still be able to um, give back and be a, a staple for his community is extremely rare. Um, and I feel like they're like once, they're like once in a lifetime. I don't know any, uh, anybody else on his level or higher doing the things that he's doing. So for me, it's like, and I told you this this week too, it's like, I just feel like if I'm going to be here, you know, I've got to be making some kind of impact as well. Um, yeah. because if we can lose that much potential, um, in a matter of minutes, you know, like I'm not comfortable not doing what, what, what I feel like I should be doing. Um, uh, so yeah, I feel you. It's just been, uh, it's been interesting, man. Cause like even people that, you know, I didn't expect to really be affected by it. Like my father and, you know, um, my mother and just like people that don't even aren't even really familiar with with his music and stuff like that like i i didn't i don't think i realized his impact um like how uh how broad he reached you know yeah no i definitely feel you bro like i think about that same thing my mom hit me talking about it mm. you know my mom like she yeah, yeah. she don't be in the know of nothing bro like yeah. that like like, you know, she stays up to date, and it's just amazing to know that the reach has kind of gotten to the other generations who haven't even heard of him before. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh, man, I'm just thinking about it, bro. It like, I don't know, I can't even articulate it, bro, just thinking. Yeah. And, no, I hear you. You know, even reading reading up on it, looking at it, looking at the articles, and it still doesn't feel real. No, you know, it doesn't. I'm looking at his photos, looking at his videos, and it's like, no, that's nip. You know, because I and I, I wasn't fortunate enough to have. I never had the opportunity. I was gonna. To I meant him. to ask you that, bro. I'm glad you brought that up. You, you didn't meet him. <clears throat> nah, I did not. Um, okay. I I was I was working with Cashmere, um, at the time, Cashmere Marketing Agency, and they had uh, had done a Respect the West with the YG Nip. Um, they had worked with Kendrick in the past, so they had worked with him in the past. But I I, don't, I wasn't there at that event in particular. Mm. So the so um, when you met YG, it was a it wasn't at that event. No, nah, that's something different. Nah. Okay. Yeah, that was a totally that was at like the uh, what was that? Fight night. It was a fight night release for that uh, fight night for round four or something. Yeah. I don't remember. <clears throat> Some video game, but um, yeah, never got the chance to meet Nip. So it's almost like I've I'm still interacting with Nip in the way that I know I have before his death. You mm -hmm. know, music. TV articles. So what was your what was your introduction to, so, to Nip? What was my introduction to Nip? Dang. Um I want to say just back with Kashmir when they were doing Respect the West. Okay. Um YG I think was more prevalent. Like I had heard of um like I heard of Nipsey Hustle, like I knew of him. But 
But you weren't like really into the music. I wasn't. I wasn't tapped. I wasn't tapped in. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely wasn't tapped in by any means um, at that time. But I remember it was like YG, Nipsey Hussle, um, Ty Dolla Sign, Scheme. Uh, This was back in 2013. So I was what? I was like 22. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. For me, it's like the interesting thing for me was just the idea that Nip wasn't a, a, a person that you know I respected or admired because of his artistry you know and that's not to take anything away from from his skills as a rapper because I think he's you know definitely top five in the west right now right but it's all of his you know music uh, not music sorry all of his uh interviews and, and the bars that he dropped um outside of the booth that always really, really, you know, um, stood out to me, you know. And for those of you listening, if you ever get a, a moment, uh, watch his Breakfast Club interview. Uh, watch his uh, pod, his podcast episode or interview with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk um, on the Gary V podcast. I did, and, or even just Google Nip and watch an interview. And I promise you, you're going to be left with some positivity or some kind of uh, inspiration because that man, everywhere he went, Every time he broadcasted, he was, you know, you know, dropping game, you know, for everybody. And I feel like, I feel like helping homies win. What we do here on on this podcast is very much inspired by by the work that you know men like Nipsey um, have been doing. You know, um, giving game to the homies and helping the homies win. You know, um, you know, we talked about this last night, where it's like, a, you know. It sucks because I feel like this is something that, you know, he would have appreciated, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. even if it was just in a conversation. I feel like um, he would have been he would have been proud of what we're doing. Um, And he probably is. Right. Um, But but yeah. anyway, um, you know, I'm glad we just took a moment to honor um, and kind of talk about him in this in this conversation. It's like, you know. There's no need to get into um, a lot of that other, you know, facts, you know, surrounding the case. That stuff's available online, but I feel like that's what's more important. What I what I what I appreciate that's happening in the media is they're celebrating the man that he was, you know, and man. his impact, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and I love that. I love that. I do definitely feel like this media run. I don't want to say media run like it's been planned in that way, but just no, no. the way that it's been picked up, it has been very positive. Um, and that's one of the things I mentioned. Like, I don't. I was my, one of my fears was that this would be overshadowed like some gang stuff. Yeah. Overshadowed, like the gang, the gang component kind of overshadows, you know, what he stood for. And I feel as though the community really came together. And I mean, community as far as all. We'll talk about what happened yesterday too, though, bro. Um, man, yesterday, uh, Big U, um, OG from uh, Rolling Sixties, uh, which is the Crip gang out in L.A. He. Uh, put a call out um there had been some you know vigils that had happened um and he big U essentially put a call out for the gangs in la to unite for a peace rally and they uh did a march um down slawson up to nipsey's store on slawson and crenshaw and uh he asked you know for it's not open to the public gang members only oh um, really i didn't know that gangs from all types yeah it was not open to the public so it was like you had eight trays, you had um, 60s, you had um, BPS, like blood gangs, crip gangs, gangs that 
are rivals that you know, like you ain't never seen eight trays and sixties together. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But they all went, they pulled up, they showed love, they were united. Um, one of the homies um, from eight trays, he had a, had posted something. He was like, it's not even about respect or disrespect. You know, it's about honor mm. and honoring this dude that represented so much, you know, and I, I know you read, I read a lot of things online too of like cats really wanted to become the Nipsey of their hood, you mm. know? So it's like he represented so much and like it didn't matter the color, you know what I mean? And, and in regards to like, the life, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, 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 the flag did not matter, bro. Yeah. Like he represented so much, and I think we're at such a, a, a amazing time and space that we were able to unite. Not we, like, but as a people, you know, like mm. we're all able to unite in these ways, and so much so that even um, somebody like Big U can bring people together in honor of Nipsey for that to happen. Yeah. You know, and I don't think I don't. Th- it really reminded me of what was going on. Um, when Snoop and and Tupac, um, was that back in the '90s, were uh, like kind of creating this gang truce. You know, I, I can't say that a gang truce is happening now. Well, well I think I think it's, it's it's being advertised as such. I, that's why I wanted you to talk about it because you know more of the ins and outs um, behind the scenes. But at least in the media, they're talking about um, you know they um they 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 have peace right now. You know they they've um kind of put out this call for peace. They don't know how long it's going to last, but there's been a call for peace, mm-hmm. uh, allegedly from, like, Big U. Like, you know, everybody's going to be chilling for a second. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I wouldn't call it a gang truce yet, but it's it's definitely um, it's definitely shifted a lot of things. Yeah. I, I know that much for sure. Because um, I think this was back in... 95 where Pac and Snoop <clears throat> and like in collaboration with uh Brotherhood Crusade were working on bringing and uniting um the street gangs and kind of putting an end to just the gang violence yeah. or you know the gang violence that was happening you know locally so you know it, it's amazing because I do think a lot of other places do look at LA and that is something unfortunately that people speak to when, when they hear about LA it's um What's the gang life like? Like what? What? Like what? What's going on with that? Tell me about the ghettos. You know, like that. That is something that LA is kind of glorified for, um, which is interesting because you got Hollywood and you got the gang life. You know, it's like a contradiction in itself. But yeah, um, or maybe it's not. You know, but anyways, yeah. So that was a beautiful thing that that occurred yesterday, and I think it was it was amazing. You know, um, even that got publicity. You know, different platforms were were marketing it, like sharing what was happening and like letting the masses know. And you know, it wasn't on some like, oh, yesterday there was a uh, a march for you know multiple gangs and violence broke out. Like that was not the that was yeah. not the narrative. You know, that nothing like that happened. So yeah, um, it was just super encouraging, bro, and just beautiful to see. And I actually just announced that nipsey's um funeral service will be held this upcoming thursday oh, that- at the staples center oh man, man. at the staples center bro <sighs> um yeah so i'm literally um oh man i'm looking up tickets right yeah. now yeah so that's amazing that's about bro. to be a thing man yeah man i'm like yeah i'm not going to work that's for sure yeah <laughs> no, i hear you i hear you <laughs> nah bro like and, and it's so funny it's not funny but it's interesting because, you know, going, me going to school, I APU, um, you know, going to work, um, 
just at all these different places, all these spaces. The majority of people don't even know, you know, and oh, it's really? like moving around. And, yeah, a lot of people like I'm around, they aren't tapped in. You know, I got a couple of people that I know that, that are aware, and I know that based on just some conversations we've had and the things they post on their on their social media pages. But the the masses don't know, you know, and to, and to be dealing with a, a hurt and a loss like that, you know, it's so interesting because it feels like I lost somebody, like, close to me. Yeah. You know, and and – I would say it is someone close to me because of the impact. You know, I think about yeah. when we think about relationships and people who are close, we really are hurt and affected based on the relationship we have with that person. And I think even though it wasn't a mutual relationship, if you will, um, there still was impact. There still was this. This is a, a prominent person in my, in my life. I remember um, the homegirl. She actually just told me recently, like, it's crazy because I remember you playing Nipsey or watching his interviews, and I had just got on to him maybe like the week before. You said you're like, hungry? I watched Nipsey stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I watched Nipsey stuff. Like, that's a that's a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, bro. I don't know. So the impact. So I just going back to like the whole work situation and school situation, um, it's meaningful, you know, and and it's important to I think have the spaces to work through the hurt yeah you know and i think that's kind of where we are in this position where we're unifying and we're uniting um as a people and i think i look at myself and try to figure out how do i deal with this this how do i grieve this loss and how do i also celebrate his life you know and i think you mentioned it through the podcast that's something we're doing yeah absolutely Um, yeah yeah man i think um I'm sorry, I'm like dumb distracted because I'm, I'm I'm looking up tickets as we speak, but the um the idea is I I disagree with you, but I think it is a mutual relationship because you know what Nip did was you know he put this stuff out and he was doing this for the people for us you know what I'm saying so I feel like in the way that he chose to share his art you know it was in an intimate way because he could have been one of those artists that didn't really get into it like that and and just did his job you know, made his brand and kept it pushing, you know, but the fact I feel like he, he gave out, you know, for the like minds and, and, and was giving game like that. It was for you specifically. It was for me specifically because, mm. you know, that man's in tune. He knows ain't everybody going to get it. Everybody going to hear the message. Nobody, not everyone is going to uh, be affected by um, his rhetoric. You know, some people may not even like it. They may, they may shy away from it, you know, but he knew there was a demographic out there of, kids just like him growing up in these neighborhoods they needed to hear that you know and what i respect so much about that man is the fact that you know his focus on his community man because we all grew up in those areas you know so for him to be you know setting up shop at home like that you know just to make us better is amazing man so so yeah i think uh no yeah i receive that i definitely receive that man yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm um just processing that, and I think like kind of going back to just the whole <clears throat> me with me figuring out how I'm working through the hurt. Um. It 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 does naturally take me to think about therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Um, you know, cause I think for myself, 
it's one thing to kind of just be aware and be in these moments per usual, you know, and just be like kind of just with time and the business of life and the other responsibilities I have, yeah. you know, the hurt won't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not have the same impact, but I recently um, had a conversation with um, Ashley and Amani who've been on the podcast in, in the past um, just about a, a some bro, projects bro. that we're working on. Bro, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, real quick. Is it, uh, they got one ticket left that, that gets me in there on Thursday. Do you know what time they, uh, yeah. it's like an afternoon or something, right? Hopefully. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. All right, we'll figure it out. I'm, uh, I'm, Lojo. I'll go, I'll go ahead. Lojo posted that, she posted it yesterday and I think they confirmed it today. Okay. That a service would be, um, held in Thursday at LA Staples Center. Um, um, take place Thursday morning. Twenty-one thousand seats. We're told tickets will be sold for the event through a website. Only ticket holders will gain admission. Um, Michael Jackson service was there in two thousand nine. Okay, we're Gucci. I'm gonna get there at eight fifty-one. So even then, if I had to jam straight to in the, the morning, center, yeah, eight fifty in the morning. Okay, so I'm sure it'd be straight. Um, anyway, go ahead. Um, but Ashley the money. Yeah, so thank you for remembering that. <laughs> I'm distracted right now looking at this, bro. I already know. Oh that. man. So I was talking with Ashley and Amani, and one of the things I spoke about was, you know, the idea of resiliency and how that was something that I was taught growing up. Essentially, it don't fold under pressure. Mm. You know, life's not going to go the way that I want it to go, and because of that. Um, I got to learn essentially still find my way to push through, you know, it's not yeah. to ignore when life happens, but figure out, okay, this is what happened, accept it and keep pushing. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really important and it hasn't been until recently that I've realized the importance of dealing with my emotions along the way, you know, cause just growing up as, as a young man and being a little boy and all this, it's like this idea of not ever showing those, those other emotions of fear of, I'm scared or I'm hurt, you know what I mean? I'm embarrassed or to cry even. Um, dealing with those emotions isn't something that's um, encouraged at least. Um, so now being at a place where I'm realizing the importance of working through my emotions, you know, even even like the day after Nipsey, like the first day when it happened, bro, like yeah. I was in shock. Yeah. Like I still couldn't believe it. The next morning I was listening to Big Boy and I was at Sprouts, bro, right when Sprouts opened. I literally sat in my car for like an hour, bro. I cried, mm, dog. Yeah. Like, like what? Like, I just can't believe it, you know? Yeah. Um, but even even still, it still was like a, this ain't real. So, bro, to this day, it's not real to me, dog. It's crazy. Like, yeah, bro. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I don't know. I just the, those are things I think about. Um, yesterday, uh, as I told you, I went to therapy, bro, for the like the first time. Well, it was my second time in therapy, but my first, my first meeting with a therapist I selected. Mm-hmm. Um, before I had gone through my healthcare provider, they provided me with one, you know, little copay, fifteen dollars, kind of like a like a in-house, if you will, therapist. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't content with that experience, and I uh, made some calls. Spoke to a couple people, really felt out their energy, felt where their their philosophies were, what they were rooted in, um, who they are as people, what they're involved in. And I found someone that I felt was like the perfect fit. Uh, Followed back up, finally met yesterday, bro. And like, it was amazing. And um, I just think about the emotions 
the questions, the process that we went through in just our introductory meeting already lets me know how callous I am to the things that I deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, yeah. some of the things I do just out of habit that I don't even know are are hardened emotions that mm-hmm. I think are parts of who I am, bro. Yeah. That's that they they've been in my face for so long that I think it's a part of me. And the truth is it's not. It's yeah. a reaction to mm-hmm. some hurt in my life. So to realize that and to feel like this burden becoming exposed to the point where it's going to become something that I'm able to let go of is extremely exciting, dog. So I just think about, you know, uh, th- that that's this whole, that, that's a whole deep, deep dive. But my point in bringing it up right here, right now, is speaking about the hurt with even dealing through this loss of Nipsey is I got to unpack the impact that that has. You know, what does that represent when I see Nip, when I see what our community um, is dealing with, how do I feel I need to move forward in, 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 in processing that hurt? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not enough to just, like I said, get busy with my days and not deal with it, not grieve it. You know, even in past relationships, I was told I got to grieve the loss of my past relationships because they mm. meant something significant to me. And it's not enough to say it's over. There were some bad things that happened and I'm over and I'm done. It's like, no, how do you grieve? How do you deal with the hurt so that it doesn't have long lasting impact yeah. that I'm unaware of? You know what I'm saying? So, man, that, that's that's. I don't know, man. I, just need, I really needed to say that because like, nah. it's so it's so exciting. Yeah, bro. I feel like we all do that, dog. It's like it makes me think about this 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 concept of being woke, right? And it's a very um, cliche term, if you you know, because like you know, it's, it's it's so so commonly used, and I think misappropriated appropriated sometimes, but. You know, you look at the way we live our lives and a lot of a lot of times, man, you get caught up in just the, the daily grind and you just go from from moment to moment. You're not really present and you're almost robotic in how you've been conditioned to respond. Right. It's like you're saying, like, mm-hmm. you know, being calloused and um, not even knowing that you're that that you're hearted. They're not even knowing that you that you're that you're guarded or that you're protective or whatever the case is. It's like. You know, I found that same thing, you know, through through therapy and all of the things I'm doing to to better myself is, you know, there's been a lot of moments and times when I'm not even in the room. It's like I'm responding from from habit. You know, it's like a knee jerk reaction to things as opposed to just, you know, being present and also dealing with whatever's happening around you. And I don't think we're even really taught that we're taught to survive, you know what I mean? Not to. Mm-hmm. To thrive emotionally and really figure out how to best communicate, how to best move. Right. 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 Survival. Survival. And, you know, I, I really want to spend some time, bro, unpacking what that means when you say we we operate out of habit. Because I know for me, prior to yesterday's therapy session, yeah, I would hear that and be like, um, what are my habits? Mm-hmm. Well, I procrastinate, I put things off, yeah. I do these certain things. But those are the habits that I'm aware of. Right. To think that there's habits that I've And those been are also the habits that you're to. comfortable with. Dang. Right. See, and, and but even even hearing that, bro, I, I would be like, no. Like yeah. I would be like, no, because I'm not comfortable with it. That's yeah. not what you're speaking to. So I I think we should just go into it because I think that's the best way to kind of 
unpack how clear life can be, at least for me. <laughs> you want me to unpack like, the, the habit thing, or are you talking about unpacking our, 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 our experiences first? Which one? I want to unpack the experience to, to kind of drive the, the, the point of the habit. Okay. Hold on a second. Let me get, so, some, let me get some paper so we do this right today. <laughs> so we can do this right. Hey, um, I really appreciate, bro, um, you after after I, cause I after my therapy session, you know, I called you. Yeah. For those listening, I called I called I called Tony and I was like, bro, you know, therapy is amazing, this and that. We, you know, didn't get too into it, but I gave him like a quick rundown of just how I felt. And uh you you told me to to journal and at yeah. least write down the key points, my takeaways from from that experience. And yeah. I did that. Oh word. And um yeah, yeah. So I let's did, do this. Uh, let's and do it's this. so funny because Yeah. Um Let's talk about our experience, how we got into therapy. Um, then we get into, you know, some of the habits and some of the discoveries. And then afterwards, okay. I'm down to share some of my journal entry from like my bars from my session. And if you want to okay. share some of yours, you can do that too. Yeah, yeah. So how do we get into therapy? Yeah, but, but go ahead. What's your, what's your last, you know, you're going to say something. Go ahead with that and then we can... What was I saying about about you, you telling funny. me the journal? Yeah, you, I t- me telling you the journal. You said it's you know, and it's funny because you don't remember. It's cool. Oh yeah, no, no I remember. Oh. I remember now. <laughs> I remember now. You you said I, I had to pause and, and put myself back in that space. Okay. No, it's funny because I'm starting to write in the journal. I'm like, man, I'm not a journaler. Like, I'm about to write this journal. I have this. I have this structure in my mind of what a journal should be. Dear diary. Mm. Dear journal, today was X, Y, Z. Hey, like, Mo- I mean? like Moesha? And, <laughs> yeah, bro. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this, Yeah, you know? And then I, I do that same thing with my passion planner. You know, I love the passion planner. Shout out to passion planner. Mm. Go ahead and get one if you don't got one. Um, That's not an ad, by the way. But yeah. um, in, in, in working with my journal, it was like, well, I just put down today, you know, I attended my first, you know, uh, therapy session with Dr. So-and-so. And I was really excited. It was I'm really excited for this journey. Here were some of the key takeaways. And I literally put bullet points, bro. Mm. Big bullet points of the major ideas. And that was enough for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I explained them a little bit, but at the end of the day, like that's my journal. It doesn't have to be this no. storyteller narrative, like I'm about to release it and become, you know, the next number one seller. Like it doesn't have to be all right. that. And it that relieves a lot of pressure. And it's so funny that's because so interesting. that speaks to stuff that i was unpacking yeah. in the therapy session you know what's I'm interesting just, about that for me that i go through it's interesting it said what's interesting about that to me is uh like minds is like 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 we're both working from different places like you're like all oh, these bullet points that works right and i do that too with some things but for that specific in uh for that specific uh entry you know i did the same thing i didn't feel like doing it but i was like let me just try and as i was writing it was like a um it was just me, 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 me being myself on the page. You know, that was like that was my, you know, my personal challenge, is how can I be honest and myself on this page and be in the moment as I'm writing, you know, about this event, you know, as opposed to like, you know, me just, you know, doing it just because, you know, I said I was gonna do it. You know what I mean? But me doing it because yeah. I want to do it. Um, but yeah, that's dope though. That's dope. Yeah, man, that's that's so that's that's really interesting. Um, you saying that because 
<laughs> that's one of the things he told me. Like, I got to be honest with myself. Yeah. And it's so funny because I'm so used to the, like, guarded, filtered version of myself that I can't even tell you who I am in that way. You know, and it's, and and any other time it would be difficult for me to even articulate that because I feel like I have a clear understanding of who I am. But me getting to a space to realize that there's still depth of myself that I have not become comfortable with, that... I know that it doesn't take away from who I am on a normal basis. Yeah. It's just that there's other things about myself I have to learn. And I think my hesitation for being that quote unquote unfiltered way is because of my fear of what does that look like? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do do I have the capacity to maintain and manage myself? It's not like I'm hiding something intentionally or there's something that I'm not sharing. It's just that I have not taken the time to unpack the impact of the certain things in my life that have occurred. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um so you saying be honest on that page I think is amazing. And and it's I think back to even some but of the things I wanna you I wanna be clear, bro. I wanna be clear though for me though. Um that was my I got I don't I don't I just I know sometimes I feel as though I be I'm preachy. So I'm, I just want to make sure that you understand that, that that was my challenge. You know, I'm not saying that that's how you should have got down. Listen, gotcha. I just want to be clear. I just want to be nah, clear, bro. I just want to be clear. You ain't telling me a thing. <laughs> you ain't telling me a thing. <laughs> nah, I, I'm, I'm saying looking in, looking in on what you're saying. Okay, for sure. Um, I, re I recall your process of certain things you've gone through where you've told me that you are allowing yourself to feel the mm, emotions when you're yeah. watching TV, when you're watching movies, when you're listening to music. Yeah. When, when life happens, you're allowing yourself to feel a certain way. And you've told me and shared with me that it's allowed you to become a better or a more developed actor. Yes. Because you're in touch with these emotions and you're being the honest self. I think that process is amazing, mm. you know, and even hearing it, it's like, okay, that's interesting. Like maybe that's necessary for the art. I think that's necessary for life. For life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like I'm in a place now to be a lot more intentional of thinking, well, how does that really make me feel? And it's going to take a process because I'm going to have to sit there and go through my normal filtered thoughts and begin to break them down. But to me, that's the process. Because yeah. sooner or later, that will become a habit that I no longer have to think about. And it's easy for me to be like, you know what, this is how I feel unfiltered. I don't got to think about it. Yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, I guess, you know, I think at this point we can just kind of go into how we got into therapy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, word up. I, so I'll go ahead and go first then. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did how did you how did you get into it, bro? Yeah. So um, I, I think briefly I talked about this on another episode where I um was going through a crisis. Um, you know, probably a year and a half ago, and during that time I was at a place where I just was really uncomfortable in my own skin. I was very um insecure at that time i was very emotional i was depressed i was anxious but i didn't know i was anxious i was aware however that i was that i was depressed and um it was a moment where i just didn't want to be here so um it was one of my most significant bouts with um suicidal thoughts right so in that moment um in that crisis i just knew that i had to do something about it i knew that it wasn't a situation where I can just sit and wait and hope that this gets better. And because of that, that's when I decided that, you know, I should uh, start to research therapists. So what I did was um, there was a, a girl I was dating, uh, really dope chick. She was taking therapy at Emory College um, for, for like 30 bucks um, a session or something. Like it's based on your income, super affordable. And 
when I called them, they, they weren't doing that anymore. Um, so they gave me some references. Of the three references, um, my, uh, my therapist was the only one that had a PhD and had our doctorate in, um, in psychology and all these other things, right? So he's the most qualified on the page. Also, he was the um, only man of color I got. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try him out. Um, and then uh, we, you know, I emailed him and we talked. The um, biggest issue I have with it is the fact that, you know, when you're having a crisis, it's, very, it's a very delayed um, process. You know, I emailed him on a Friday, didn't hear back till Monday, couldn't get in until like that next Friday. So by the time I got there, um, I was, you know, I wasn't out of the woods, but I was a lot better, you know, when I wish I could have got there like in that moment. But, you know, that's just the way that that service works. I'm sure there's probably a hotline or something I could have done or like maybe got some more immediate therapy. But at any rate, um, you know, it was that crisis that I was having at that time where I was like, you know what, I got to deal with this. It's not a situation where like I feel like, I've got this um, pain in my knee and I just hope it goes away. Like it was way bigger than that because my mind was like in a frenzy. Um, so for me, it was like, mm -hmm. you know, I just had to deal with it. And of course, like, you know, um, there's a lot of stigmas around it, you know, around therapy and, and you know, in our community. And I'm, I'm sure we'll impact that in a moment. But um, at that time, and none of that was important to me. It was just a matter of like, I got to get better because, one thing I realized is that, you know, of course, everything, everything that happens to me is exacerbated by the fact that I'm a father, you know, and I know that I can't just go hide somewhere and, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I've got to be, 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 be whole because I got to raise this little girl. And everything that I go through and deal with as a person, as a man, is going to affect her. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was my... Um, introduction to, to, to therapy and um I'll close with this as far as that uh that intro is uh you know I went to seven sessions and I realized that in those seven sessions because I was so deep in my own like you know uh trauma I guess you could say I wasn't um as receptive and and aware of uh how much it was helping me because I was just so like I was so kind of gone and I was judgmental at that time too so now I, so I did that. I did this in April of last year. I had seven sessions between April and June. And then, you know, I didn't go again until last uh, last uh, Friday or something. And it's, uh, you know, it's April again. So a year later. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, bro. So, so, so what was your intro? How'd you get down? My intro to therapy. Um, I have friends that are therapists. Um, and fr friends that are therapists and social workers, so I, I had heard about it, and I, um, I think that was probably the introduction I had to it, outside of just the typical, um, or the common idea that therapy, you know, isn't for black people. Um, but seeing them be therapists and them kind of talk about their experiences in having their own therapist, I thought was really like really dope. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, and they kind of spoke about it and just speaking to them, I could feel the, the, the clarity and the peace that I felt that they were sh sharing the experience going to, to therapy. Um, and that was probably five, six years ago. Um, but I never, I never really Yo, considered it for myself. five or six years ago. Yeah. Wow. Like I never, I never truly considered it for myself. That's dope, though. Um, so five or six years ago, you were already being introduced 
um, you're, you're already beginning to have a different relationship to therapy. Yeah. Do you think yeah, that 100%. how much do you think that impacted your uh, your choice to go now? Like you think having not having those relationships you would have been less inclined to go? Yeah, I think I think about 30%. Mm. 30% of the decision for sure was there. Cool. Um was based off of just understanding the importance of it and one of them uh one of my close friends um we talk a lot we talk frequently and you know it often feels like therapy but she's a therapist you know what I mean so naturally just in conversation she's always asking me certain things that I'm like yo this is dope this is kind of cool I can only imagine if we were really get into like everything how how beneficial this could be yeah um you know and then you know having the podcast um definitely has been something that's forced me to kind of speak more I just told the homie the other day Keyshad like I admire how he's willing to kind of speak up in certain situations via text, like mm-hmm. via, like on social media. He'll respond to things on Twitter and really, you know, really go in on like a response as far as like his beliefs, mm-hmm. his standpoints, the fallacy and maybe something he's reading. Um, and I just I admire that so much because I go on Twitter, I go on Instagram and I see stuff and I'm like, man, I don't agree with that. But I'm not about to sit here and think of a way to type the things that I want to say. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so I definitely feel like the podcast has kind of been that platform for me and like exercising my words, my ideas, my thoughts. Um, and that's been extremely therapeutic and me becoming more comfortable with having a stance on things, um, in a way that I'm able to present the ideas. So I think that definitely opened me up. And then starting school in college counseling, um, understanding the impact of just past life experiences and all that has also got me to a place to realize, you know what, this counseling thing is really important, especially when it comes to the space of higher education. Like I never went to go see my counselor mm-hmm. in college when it came to career counseling or even advising. I never did. But now I see the value of it. And it's like, yo, like this is something that should be mandatory for students to go through because we're really out here trying to figure it out on our own. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Um, especially when there's people available who can who can support and kind of help think through these things so it's not as stressful it's not much of a of a burden and I just liken that to my experience through life like there's actual therapists out there who are counselors that can do that same thing when it comes to life you know so it became a little bit more interesting and then as I've shared on past podcasts um, my second term my second quarter of grad school I really uh kind of came to face to face with like this this panic attack if you will like which is a form of anxiety you know not anxiety in the way that I've thought that I was dealing with it which I learned yesterday but it was more so just one of those panic situations um that really messed me up in the head to think like yo like I'm dealing with anxiety and I don't know how to cope with that I don't know what my my next steps can be and it it was it was a fear of like I don't want to put myself back in a situation where I experienced that again so I'm mm. even weary of trying to push through it you know and I'm like okay I need to I I really need to see a therapist um so that I can get documentation so I can get appropriate accommodations through my school and that was one of the things that I really like okay that that's what that's what's going to get me there is the fact that I really need these documents. And, you know, a term had gone by because I'm on a quarter system that time flies by. So by the time, you know, it's time to actually meet with the counselor and the therapist, you know, I had that first experience that I really didn't feel was beneficial for me. 
um, the one that came through my healthcare provider. And I'm like, okay, he's not going to provide me with the paperwork um, because I'm not even comfortable opening up to this dude. I felt like he was overcompensating um, because I'm black. Mm-hmm. And that was something I had to kind of come to grips with. I felt like he was trying to make me feel comfortable, but I felt him trying to make me feel comfortable. And that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. So... So I'm like, okay, this this process is going to be a lot more delayed hold before hold I can even I get wanna, the documentation. I want to, um, and I want to um, ask you something really quickly though. With um, yeah, what was the process like in respect to actually finding a therapist? Was that an easy deal for you, or did you have to jump through some hoops? How'd that go? Nah, I had I had I take it had been months. I had been asking people. You mean the the first therapist I went to, or more just my search. Like my actual search for a therapist. Say that one more time, bro. I said, are you are you asking me what was the process in getting to that first therapy session, or the the process of finding one that fit me? No, yeah, the the process and actually, you know, when you first first started um, looking for a therapist, like how'd you go about oh. it? What was the process in finding one? You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So when I first uh, I I Google searched Kaiser because I have Kaiser. That's my health share. My health insurance my healthcare provider um i I google kaiser uh therapy um and then um behavioral behavioral therapy or behavioral sciences came up um and i just called i called them they answered the phone right away it wasn't like the automated machine so i was i was unsure if this was like the right way Mm -hmm. and i was hey you know i'm calling because i'm I'm interested in getting um seeing a, a therapist through my healthcare and they're like, okay. And I said, is this the right line if I'm looking to schedule an appointment with a the therapist? They said, yeah. Um, do you want to do, um, you know, you want to meet with someone from Kaiser or do you want to do something out of network? And out of network, you know, essentially is just like outside companies that aren't an actual Kaiser facility that accept Kaiser as insurance. And I said out of care because I didn't want out of out of network. I didn't want to do something in Kaiser. I just felt like that's very generic. You know, mm-hmm. no knock to anyone that does that. I, I just personally, I have my own biases towards it. So I did out of network um, and I had a bunch of places that I just kind of Google searched. They told me about one place uh, that was nearby. I looked it up. Their reviews seemed to be cool. And I called and scheduled an appointment. Didn't know who the therapist would be. Didn't know what he looked like. Knew nothing about him. But I went, filled out some paperwork. And then I, um, you know, went in and the guy came out. You know, it was an Asian dude. Um, you know, we went into the room and he just asked me like, what's going on. I told him what my, my challenges were. He asked me some more questions and, you know, kind of going off the clipboard, you know, asking questions and, you know, trying to figure me out, which I think is important, you know, trying to establish relationships and familiarity with me and what I'm dealing with. Um, you know, that session came to a close and I come to find out after the fact I had 10 sessions. So Kaiser essentially granted me 10 sessions. That was the first one, which is the consultation. The idea is that these 10 sessions would, you know, either get me to a place of realizing whatever my challenge may be, if there was one, um, or working through whatever it is I feel like I need to work through. So after that, I realized, okay, I can choose to go elsewhere. The guy sent me his bio, his practice, his approach. So I got a chance to at least read up on who he was, the therapist that I met with to see if this was going to be a good fit for me. I personally didn't like the energy. I, it wasn't comfortable, and I felt like that was extremely important. This is somebody I'm allowing to get close to me, especially in my mind and the way I think and help me unpack things. 
that's that's extremely personal. So I have to be very intentional with that process. And I wasn't comfortable in that space. Um, I asked a couple people outside, like, you know, what therapist do they go to? And a friend had told me that they're paying like $150 per session. I'm like, yo, what is that? They're like, well, the place, the pers- the place that they go doesn't accept their insurance. So they're just paying out of pocket. And that kind of got me to think like, wow, like this is truly an investment in self. And is it is it is it worthwhile to pay, you know, a $15 copay, which is a lot cheaper, which means I pay $150 for all 10 sessions for something that I feel like is mediocre or do I want to put in the time and the money to get attention in a way that I feel like I need it? You know, and I felt like I was at a point to realize that you know, this is really important. I had kind of already felt like I had been processing a lot of the uh, challenges I was having in school. I didn't necessarily need the accommodations as much as I thought I would need, but it would be good to have. But I realized, you know, I needed this a lot more for myself and my own well-being, just looking at my life and some of the, the, the lack of discipline I feel like I have, the just a lot of the challenges that I feel like I've been facing. Like, it's really important that I get a grip on, you know, my mental health. Yeah. So that's when I started to actually dive deep and go online and research psychology today, finding different therapists and decided to make a call and start interviewing these cats. You know what I mean? Like I'm calling women, I'm calling men and I'm asking questions, you know, you know, what is your approach? These are some of the things I'm dealing with, you know, what is your philosophy? Like I'm asking questions. What is your philosophy? Um, You know, what type of people do you typically work with? Um, What type of insurance do you accept? Do you accept insurance? How much is it per session? Um, Typically how long are people, you know, how how do people typically schedule? Is it weekly, once a month? Um, just getting a feel for them as a person. Um, what else do they do? Sometimes, you know, part-time work. Why are they doing this work? What do they study? Um, all those things are important for me to ask. So I started making calls. I probably called 12 people, and one guy stood out. And that's wow. the guy I ended up uh, going with and, and, and checked out yesterday. I think that's an important piece because I remember um – you talking to me about your experience with like psychologytoday.com and and you know I had the same where I was trying to to find someone and just the way that it's curated is not a user friendly experience you know you're looking at these pictures of these people and you know this very impersonal bio and all of these things and you're trying to find out who is the best person to to help you and fit your needs and I don't right. remember being able to filter it through effectively enough with like, you know, religious preference or, you know, communication preference or male, female, ethnicity. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I just remember it being a very uh, tough process. But the dope thing, though, I think, um, is the fact that you didn't like give up on it, that you kept like, you know, for 12 people. That's a lot of people to be trying to interview and talk to and. Um, find out what works for you, you know, and then to choose somebody that doesn't even, you know, that's outside of your insurance is a, I mean, that's a process. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was, man. But like I said, I think into the point of just realizing the importance, you know, yeah, um, the importance of it, and and I think for the most part, I am somewhat taking a preventative me- measure. Oh, for um, sure. Just because I feel like I've a, I have a lot on my plate. Um, and dealing with my, my, my family dynamics and more specifically with my dad and just kind of dealing with a lot of the, the changes happening within our relationship. And then even seeing aspects of my dad in myself that I'm not comfortable with. It's like, yo, let me, 
let me start working through this before I find myself in a place where it's like I need therapy because that. something has happened. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, become that and, and, and kind of take on habits and ways of living that I'm not okay with. Yeah. So let me figure out what this impact is. Let me get an understanding of why I do the things that I do. So yeah, bro, that was my introduction, man. Um, and I, And I know, you know, you had gone, was it a couple of days before? Yeah, I gone a couple of days before. It was interesting because like me and my therapist had a uh I have the worst grammar in the world. Me and my therapist uh <laughs> we had the worst. <laughs> we had, we not we had, we had a bad moment on my, on my, during my last session. You know, we had a moment where um we we're talking about my daughter um and parenting time. Um and the way that he communicated uh a thought to me uh, just didn't register. Um, it was either miscommunicated or misunderstood. And and I'm going to lean more towards misunderstood. And at the time, I just remember feeling really anxious, feeling very uncomfortable, feeling, um, and not uncomfortable in like a, a fin- not, not uncomfortable in like an offended way, just like a, you know, I was challenged, you know, with an idea that was not in line with my own, you know? So that, that made me uncomfortable because I, I knew that I wasn't wrong in that, you know? Um, but in a way I was, you know, but I wasn't even open to questioning that my logic or open to investigating it. I was just like, no, you're wrong. You need to see my point. And that's where uh, the session ended in, on, the, in the, on, that, uh, on that note. And I remember um, just driving home and I was like, bro, I don't know this is for me. Like, you know. I don't think he gets it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, you know, and then, you know, we ended there. Like, why would he end there if, you know, that was the case? And this then the third, and it was just, uh, you know, a complete misunderstanding, right? So um, we brought that up in my in my um, returning session. And uh, he's like, wow, I didn't even know that you, uh, you felt away because, um, you know, as I was observing you before you left, like, you were cool, you were normal, whatever the case is. I didn't know that, you know, I had said anything that bothered you. And he said, you know, I want to make one thing clear. He said, um, it's important to deal with what's happening in the room while we're trying to deal with what's happening outside of the room. You know, the whole point yeah. of this is, you know, we're taking your life and your past and your experiences and your relationships. And we're talking about things that, you know, are happening in the real world outside of this room. But there's also something happening right here, right now. So we need to also um, deal with that as it arises and just just feel free. Like you can always let me know. Uh, if something's coming across the right, the wrong way, or if I offended you, or whatever the case is, like let's talk about that. This is the, you know, and I said, you know, that's a good point. And I told him, I said, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting for me because I'm in a place where this is a very unorthodox relationship, you know, therapist to to client. I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. I said with most people mm-hmm. that I have a relationship with, friends, family members, you know, authority figures, whatever, it's um, they've offended me. Okay, why am I offended? Okay, am I justified in being offended? Okay, now that I figured out whether or not I'm justified, do I need to either apologize to that person or approach that person and let them know that they offended me? Is it even worth it? And by the time I get to stage four, I'm usually like, you know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm just going to push, like, whatever, right? Um, yeah. And that's just how I've, I've, I've learned to survive. However, you know, that's just a, that's not, not right. You know, one, you know, that's another conversation. But as it relates to therapy, it's, you know, the idea that I can have that conversation and this is why I'm here is to to confront issues, to confront all of the things that 
I may be afraid to confront, I have all the conversations that I don't want to have, this is where I do it. So um, with that note, man, I was like, all right, cool. You know, let me, uh, you know, I made a good choice in, in, in coming back to this specific therapist because, you know, the, the, the cold part about it is we're all humans and we all look at the world through, you know, our own lens, you know, but the, 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 the fact of the matter is sometimes our lens isn't accurate. Sometimes the way that we're looking at the world isn't the way that the world is or the way that these moments or experiences yeah. are. So we're judging it. And I remember telling him that, um, you know, I feel like I want more, I want more give and take, you know, um, I want to be more conversational. But for it to be conversational, I also have to be comfortable in the room asking questions, listening and, you know, allowing space for a conversation to develop as opposed to ranting, you know, which is what I did in, in, in several sessions is just rant, you know. So, mm. yeah, man, it's um, it's a learning process. dog. I don't even know how I got into this long uh, <laughs> spill about that now. But, yeah. Not that that's important, bro, because I think that that we we do go into these spaces and I think there's a lot of things we got to realize through that process. Because I think when you're in these spaces and we kind of have these expectations of what we kind of want to work through and whatnot, it's almost as if we kind of get a chance to live life in front of the therapist for them to see. I think those things are very um, telling, if you will. And I, I'm only saying that because of my experience. Yeah. Um, me going in there and having like you know i'm about to tell him all these things about myself and i kind of want him to focus on these one or two things but as i'm telling him the things that i feel like i need to tell him so we can get into the stuff he's pinpointing certain things that i'm saying and how i'm saying it yeah to kind of show like expose me to myself in the the midst of it yeah yeah that's the thing that I, i love that you said earlier bro was like the fact that um you know, we got these habits that we're not even aware of because when we're speaking, you know, oftentimes, a lot of times we're speaking through a filter. You know, we've gotten to this place in, in, in society where people are almost afraid to be themselves, you know, afraid to, to have fun, to lighten up, to just freely speak, right? Because you can be, you know, chastised for, 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 for being yourself and speaking free sometimes, right? Uh, some people rightfully yeah. so, right? And, you know, but... The idea is, you know, this is the only setting I feel like where you have somebody. No, this is the only setting, therapy, because you think about, you know, every other situation, everybody has an agenda. You know what I mean? It's not a negative one. But if you're talking to your mom yeah. or your dad or your brother or whoever, it's like, you know, people are looking at you and they've got their own set of expectations or they've got their own, you know, theories about life and all these other things that, this is where they're, they're they're speaking from. This is how they're trying to they're trying to guide you, and they want you to be the version of you that they like. But your therapist is just trying to help you be the best version of you because he doesn't have any stake in best, the game. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. He don't want no grandkids. Right. He don't want you to to to, to come <laughs> to the function. You know, he don't want you to, to borrow no money. Like you don't you hear, want. You know what I mean? You hear that, Mama? Mama, you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Mama? <laughs> yeah, man, that's crazy, dog. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, and that, and and I feel that you know, like that very thing you say, because I, I, I think we're aware that there's this push and expectation from the people that we interact with, but it's not loud, it's not in your face, it's not no, manipulative, no. like you said, right? It's not, not it's malicious, not malicious. In nature, no. Yeah, but when you're fit, sitting in front of a therapist, bro, it feels like a genuine, like 
focus on 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 on, on you. When I sit with a the therapist, it feels like a, a focus on me, bro. That's the only focus place. on bro, think me, about better than me. There's no. There's, there's, what have you ever been in a room where somebody was completely focused on you and they didn't want anything from you and you knew that for a fact? At all, at all, right? <laughs> I, I can't tell you, bro. Me I neither. couldn't tell you because because there's certain things out of love, but there's there's this idea. It's so. And I, and I think we can we can sometimes argue. I've been in spaces where I've really been there for someone. But I think a part of that kind of reminds me of the thing Will went through, Will Smith, when he talked yeah. about, you know, he had bought this house for Jada and all the success and all Built. these things. Like, he had all these things done for her. Yeah. You know? And, like, come to find out, it's not even what she wanted. He was doing it for himself. Yeah. You know? So I think. He was doing we, it for himself, we, saying that, he was that, doing it for somebody he, else. He's saying he's doing it for her. And I think we all kind of have that. That, those moments that we probably aren't even aware of yet where we're in front of certain people and we we love them and there's things we want for them but i think part of it is selfish to say like i want i want this for you you know what i mean like yeah. i want this for you in the sense that it's about my desire for you as a person mm-hmm. so i like in in being in those room in that room like the it's it's tense it's tense not in an uncomfortable way, but it's tense because I'm starting to have to, I'm starting to have to listen to myself. Yeah. I hate the way I said that, but yeah, I got to listen to myself. Like I'm literally in a room unpacking why I'm saying the things that I'm saying. Like, how. Like, like, and one I, of I the, think, I think maybe an, an, a more appropriate word is inspect, like inspect yourself. Yeah. Or start like like it's, study. It's, oh, it's, it's a, it's a thorough study. That's yeah. what it is. If if church is like conversation and reflection, therapy is like Bible study. Like we're breaking mm-hmm. it down. Like who am I? Why am I who I am? You know what I mean? Like yeah. the deepest, like, so one of the, my biggest issues that, I'm, that I want to share, and I think I've shared this before, growing up and in a way that I've learned to articulate it recently through through some of the classes I've gone to is that my dad is a maximizer and he's a maximizer meaning that he values like excellence mm-hmm. so anything he's into and does he wants it to be the best of the best of the best damn near perfect right now it's great when someone's a maximizer for themselves and the things that they want to do. But when he's around loved ones, especially me, he wants me to be maximized. He doesn't want me to become stagnant, which I think is admirable because he's looking to push me and encourage me to not allow myself to sell myself short. And what that looks like is when I'm in high school, I got to get to college. When I get to college, I got to graduate with good grades. When I graduate, I got to get a good job. My challenge with that growing up has been that I don't feel like there was any celebration of those small wins along the way. Almost as if the things that I was accomplishing when I was accomplishing it was dismissed. And what that led to was me feeling like nothing was ever good enough, which translated to I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that wasn't something that I felt like I was conscious of when my dad would speak. But it was definitely impacting me in the way of feeling like I got to be so mindful of the things that I say. I have to be so mindful of the things that I do. I have to be so mindful of how these things are going to be perceived and essentially kind of tiptoeing around the things that I would share with my dad. Because yeah. I know that he has this critical lens because yeah, that's yeah. the downside of being a maximizer is that it comes off extremely critical and judgmental. Right. But when I speak to my dad, even after situations, there's no animosity. There's no 
uh, grudge. There's no negativity. It's like we're good. And I'm like, how can he go from criticizing me and seemingly to be like seeming as if he's upset to loving on me? You know what I mean? And like wanting to talk and, and, and be present and be calm. Like that doesn't make sense to me. But I've realized that he's a maximizer. Right. So I, I, I mentioned to my therapist that that was something I wanted to be mindful of because I don't know how that's impacting me beyond the fact that I'm just aware that that was something I dealt with. And he's like, I can tell you it's loud. Like, like it's basically loud in my life. And I'm like, huh? Like, how can he already see that? And one of the things that he said was that even in, the, in my sharing of who I am and as he's asking me questions about my faith and about my goals, I take time to think. And like, for example, for example, being a Christian, right? He asked me about my faith. He said, what's your faith? I said, I'm a follower of Christ. That was my response. <laughs> And I said that because I didn't want to say Christian because I think about how how your sometimes Christianity. To that term, Christian. Yes, my relationship yeah. to that term lets me know, like you know what, I'm, I don't want to be misperceived as that, mm-hmm. or I don't want to come off legalistic. I don't want to come off like I'm better than anyone else, holier than thou. I didn't want that. And he's like, he 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 brought that up, and he said, you have a dad in your head. I'm like, huh. He yeah. goes, like, I'm filtering my life through this lens and through this filter of I need to say what I need to say in the most effective way so that it can't be misperceived. I th- so yeah, I'm not even I think being that's honest a, um, with myself. It's, protect, it's a protective measure because you feel like if I say yeah. this the right way, I, I, won't, I won't be attacked. Yep. If I say yeah. this the right way, I won't be attacked. And, and that's exactly it, bro. Yeah. So this whole time I've been walking around feeling as though I don't know how this situation with my dad of not being good enough has impacted my life and I'm carrying it and thinking about it all day to a point where I have a little dad in my head mm-hmm. and it's not even, and I'm, I've accepted that, that filter as my own. I'm telling him, my argument to him was, no, that's just genuinely how I feel. Mm-hmm. That's, that's genuinely how mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. He's like, no, it's not because when I ask you the question, you have to stop to think. That's not your immediate thought. Right. I'm like, wow, wait a minute, was it? When he asked me what my faith was, I said Christian in my head, then I thought about it, then I said, no, the best way to do that is this. He mm-hmm. said, I'm just not aware of the process because I'm so used to yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. that it just yeah, happens without yeah. me thinking. It's second nature or first nature or whatever. Like, that's a habit. And I'm like, mind blown because I do that in every single thing I put out. My social media yeah. posts, the things that I say, the way I write, yes. you know, all these things, bro. So that opened up a huge can of worms that I was just like, yo, this therapy bro, thing I went is a game changer. Too, man. <laughs> or going through the same thing where it's like as a bro, I think about that as an artist, man. Like there's been moments of late, um there's been moments of late. Um and I remember one of our last like little disagreements. Um I, you know, this was kind of part of it. Um, I had, that kind of came up in my head a little bit. Was just like, you know, this idea that, you know, I too am not present. So I'm pointing out something that I think you're not doing, or whatever the case is, whether true or not, right? And mm-hmm. you know, it's the very thing that I'm afraid that I'm doing, that I don't want to be doing, or I, or I hate that I do it myself, right? So it's this idea of like, well, let me try to make my boy better um, and help the homie, right? As opposed to you know, just focus focusing on how to better myself. You know what I'm saying? And letting Ooh, that speak, yeah. right? And I do that a lot, um, but it's the same idea that I'm not like fully present, man. And I'm just and like, bro, I've gone. And I said this before. I've gone through my entire life of just doing enough, right? Doing enough mm-hmm. to get by, and I do that even sometimes as a father, 
you know, I'm in the room playing with my daughter, but I'm not even giving that my all, you know, I'm just there and I'm on my phone. And when she tells me to do something with the doll, I'll do it. But I'm not really engaged and active in, in, in this moment as a parent. Right. And then I think like, well, you know, um, my biggest complaint is that I didn't do these things with my parents growing up because my mother was working too much and my dad didn't care enough. Right. And then I go, well, shit, you know, just because I'm doing better than them or doing better than my father in this in this one area doesn't mean I'm better than him because I'm I'm just doing the bare minimum in my own way. <laughs> you know what I mean? As opposed to yeah. really getting my, 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 my um my hands dirty and really playing with my baby, really engaging and laughing and joking and, you know, treating her with the same attention I would treat somebody else I'm interested in, right? So, you know, and you saying that man just brings it up for me where it's like, you know, I even feel that shit in my voice, bro, where you know, I'm not being myself. I'm not, you know, allowing myself to freely think and talk. So it's very like inhibited. Like my, my voice even feels like it's tighter. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I'm, I'm like holding on to the words so tight because I need to, I need to make sure these are the right ones as opposed to being yeah. comfortable, comfortable with making the mistake or offending someone. Matter of fact, did you see that Daniel Caesar thing in, in Dave Chappelle? No, I didn't. Bro, this is the perfect example I can come up with for a man who is comfortable in his own 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 skin and stands by his words, right? Dave Chappelle um, and Daniel Caesar and John Mayer were on, on, on live, right? And Dave Chappelle's joking around with Daniel Caesar. And, you know, he's like, yeah, um, uh, well, he said something about, like, you know, Daniel Caesar was, like, the, you know, gayest artist, you know, or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just so gay, right? Or something he said. And it wasn't, like, a hateful way or anything, but it was just, you know, Dave Chappelle joking around, right? And then, you know, uh, Dave keeps riffing. And then Daniel Caesar says, man, why'd you say that? And he said, and then and, and Dave Chappelle stops. And he goes, what, did I offend you? And then Daniel Caesar goes, yes. You know, you did, you know? And then he says, okay, well, let's talk about it. Or something along those lines. And then Daniel Caesar doubles back and says, you know what? Nah, never mind. Maybe I'm being sensitive. I don't know. I'm drunk. Because they're all drinking, hanging out, right? And he said, he, and then yeah. Dave Chappelle goes, you're right. You're absolutely right. You are being sensitive. And then Don, John Mayer's in the middle of it. Like, no, just come on, man. Like you said some, you know, you said something that was a little messed up. So just go ahead and fix it, bro. Like, so all you do is fix it. No, I'm not. You know, he's like, you know, because like, he, like he, cause he, cause Dave is standing by. I wasn't malicious in it, right? And regardless of, you know, whatever side, you know, if, 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 you know, whether you thought Dave was right or wrong in it, like, let's take that apart. But let's just say, you know, the comfortability in, you know, speaking freely, you know, and also being, you know, relaxed and comfortable enough to have the conversations and, you know what I mean? Like being open to be like, yo, if I'm wrong, I'm apologize. But if I'm not, I'm gonna stand by the fact that I don't believe I'm wrong, whatever that is. But it's just this idea of being comfortable and knowing your voice. You know what I mean? And that's a place that I'm aspiring mm. to. And again, you know, you know not, not in a way that I want to, you know, put anybody else down or whatever the case is. Like, you know, that may not look the same way it did for Dave, for Antonio, but for Antonio, I've got to find a way to have my own voice in every single room I, I'm in where I'm not code switching, yes. where I'm not trying to appease everybody. And I don't have these different masks for these different settings, right? Where right. even in this, even right. in the same breath right now, you know, I'm not going to double back and fix that, you know, example, because that example was, wasn't the best one. It wasn't the cleanest one where you could say, oh yeah, this is, that's a perfect example because people are going to disagree with that example, right? If they go watch the YouTube video, which is available, right? However, it's the idea that, you know, I'm comfortable in my assessment of things that I can communicate the way that I want to communicate. And I'm open to the dialogue and figuring out whether or not, you know, it's just whatever the case is, you know what I mean? But it's just that confidence of self, you know?
thing. You're comfortable with that dialogue. That that stands out so loud. Because I think that 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 to me speaks to that openness to deal with it and not have this fear to avoid it. Yeah. I feel like it's that very avoidant that avoidant nature, like kinda of like what you said of like being misrepresented or somebody kind of misinterpreting something. Like that that to me, bro, that to me is loud. Yeah. That's so loud. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, man. It's just like I'm starting to value my opinions in the same way I value the opinions of others or the thoughts of others, right? Where it's like, yo, mm. you know, I love myself too, you know what I mean? And I'm comfortable with myself too. So it's like, as I'm moving, I'm a, I want to allow myself to be who I want other people to be in my life. Like if you're, if you're one of my friends, right? If you, you know, I want you to be comfortable talking to me. I want you to be yourself. I want you to, to have a good time. I want you to be in the moment, right? And if I'm going to expect any of those things and all of those things from you, I've got to expect those same things from myself. You know, and I'm at the place now where it's like, I don't want to be in rooms that I'm not like in all the way, you know? So I want to really, and, and, not, and not in a sense of like, you know, competitiveness, but in a sense of just like presence. Like if I'm with you, I want to be with you. I want to like, you know, really be having sushi and talking. You know, I want to be, if with me and my daughter are playing, I want to be like making the best narrative I can with these Barbies. You know what I mean? As if I was, you know, four years old, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. but it's like just that idea of, valuing yourself um at the same importance you'd have, you'd value anyone else and um dang i don't valuing know i just think that's important the same importance you have everyone else yeah. yeah i love that yeah you want everybody else to be comfortable that. and you're willing to sacrifice your comfort comfort to make them comfortable like what is that right 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 Man, it's it's so funny because I think that in in a lot of these spaces, like you like you kind of started earlier, is you know, and some of the things that you've you know trying to help you know me in situations or whoever it is in situations is so maybe something that you're looking at within yourself. It's this whole idea of us believing the narrative that we've put out about ourselves. Yes. you know, because for me, going back to therapy, like I was real, I realized that. My struggle, I always felt like my struggle was between me doing what I want to do and doing what I feel like God wants me to do. Mm. And, you know, not something I'm like super, super conscious of, but it's in the back of my mind like, dang, I, I, I could be doing things a little better. And I said that and he's like, no, you're, you're dealing with your struggle right now is what you want and what you think you want. Mm. I'm like, huh? I'm like, how did he just flip that on me? You know, it's a God thing. He's like, no, it's about what I want and what I think I want. And one of the things that that I realized was that in my mind, I've made this narrative about what my journey has been and who I am. I've made so many absolutes about who I am yeah. in so many different instances that I've believed that it. Service. And I'm so far in that lip service, yeah. bro, that I don't even know what the truth is anymore because I believe don't. it. Just like you said the other day. When you, me, and Asher were talking about a situation, Asher started to talk about what he remembered, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we start to remember too. Mm -hmm. But we're taking the story and bits and pieces of what other people are saying, and we made it our truth. So if you were to reiterate that story to someone else, you're going to take what Asher said, and you're going to take what I said, and that's going to be the truth yeah. of that story, even though you don't really remember. No. But it's going to happen so many times that it doesn't even matter if that was the truth. That's the truth that you've allowed it to be. And how be. many times do like we do that in situations where it's like, People are telling us who we are 
and because we don't want yeah. to to interrupt them or we don't want to make them uncomfortable, we just assume we just we just we we accept it, you know, and we begin to we wear it because it, we're bro. like, you know what, we don't. I mean, they they I mean, they have to be right, right? They love me or whatever the case bro. is, right? Yes, yeah. yes, bro, yes, bro. Two points. Look, Sorry. I remember for so long writing this narrative that I'm low income. Mm. at risk because of the area I come from, because mm. of the way my family grew up, because of the the cultural differences and having a Belizean background, all these things mm. that made me essentially at risk or um, underserved. I've been telling that since I've been applying to programs, schools, scholarships since I was in high school. Since 10th grade, I've been applying to programs and schools and all that, even up into grad school, writing that same story. So much so that I've accepted that label as my truth. Mm -hmm. Even if that's not what I feel when my experiences have been, I've adapted to that understanding because that's the labels that they, as the admissions process and all that, have encouraged me to take. That's the label that's of people the community that, that I've come from. That's, that's how they've labeled our community. That's how they view us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I've accepted it and I've let that be my truth. So when I talk about the way that that stuff has impacted me, which I think, you know, is common to exploit your 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 pain to get your way, that's extremely traumatic. Yeah. To have to exploit my pain in order to get admission into something, now I've accepted that exploitation mm. as my truth. And that's yeah. extremely toxic for my own self-concept yeah my own concept of myself my own self-awareness and then you're accepting you a narrative further, that you don't believe you're accepting that you're less than because of the color of your skin or the yes. neighbors you grew up in you don't believe that i don't yes. believe for a second but i don't believe that yeah nigga i don't believe for a second that i'm less than because i, I grew up in inglewood and south central and compton and all that i don't i don't accept that because those cities all. made me bro those cities are why yep. I am, who i am today and those cities are, are the reason i hustle and i have the drive that i have today right and yep. um yep. yeah bro that's yeah 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 because if we, we weren't if you were, if, that, I, if i was from brentwood bro i wouldn't be this nope you sure wouldn't be you sure wouldn't be and i think that's that's the beautiful part about it and I, i'm thinking about even in, in past relationships i was told at one point like i lack empathy you know and mm -hmm. i literally just went through a, a a strength finders training yesterday where they broke down the different strengths and all that about empathy what that looks like how it plays out and i'm like that's not me yeah but i've heard it in so many times that i believed it even if it wasn't true because i've trusted that person i'm in a relationship with and they feel that way however Maybe it's important to have a conversation. What is it that I do that makes you feel as though I lack the empathy, mm. you know? But because this person keeps saying something, I start to consider it, you know? And I talk about that when I when I have conversations with friends, and I don't know if we've had the convo of, like, if, you know, I tell you, you know, Tony, your name's not Tony, your name is John, and I keep telling you your name is John, you're like, well, no, my name is my name is Antonio. Like, that. that's who I am, you know? And, like... If you, you know, go on, and we bro. This I guarantee that's a, that. that well, and maybe that's what you're saying right now. I guarantee that'd be a great social experience. Like if you really aggressively walked up to people and was like, "Hey, John, bro, you're John." Like you know, I, I guarantee some people would just say, "All right." Just to, uh, matter of fact, yeah. in fact, I watched uh, something on Instagram, brain, brain, something, and it was uh, they were in a room. Um, <laughs> they were in a room. They're going to uh, like the dentist, right, or a doctor, and yeah. this woman walks in a room, and every time a bell sounds, everybody in the room stands up. Right. The first oh, time she yeah. didn't stand up and then they sit back down. The second time she stood up. Right. And literally every five minutes, mm -hmm. people would stand up. And as people leave, it, like, you know, it got down to just her and one other person. And she still stood up. 
and then it got down to mm. just her and she would still stand up mm-hmm. and then even though like the social pre- uh, pressure wasn't there anymore she still was she still assimilated to that environment and then when someone yep. new came in it was just her and the new person and it kept happening and i believe there was like only one rogue person over the whole experiment that that didn't do it but ultimately at some point he he did do it because socially we're social animals and we're tribal in nature so we want to fit in and we want people to uh, accept us. So it's very mm-hmm. unorthodox, very abnormal for us to operate outside of our, our social, tribal, or community uh, norms that have been set because we don't want to be outcast. And I think that's why it's so special right. when you see people become artists and, and the, all these different things because that is completely against the grain for you to be, be a rapper or whatever the case is. Or, you know, musician, dr- you play drums or whatever. It's just weird. It's different. Or you paint you know, because that's not, nobody makes it as a painter is what they've taught us. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm sorry. I had to, mm. I just thought about no. that. No, I, I think all of that, all of that definitely goes into play, man, because like, well, to, to finish that, that, that example, like if I tell you, you know what, like you're hard headed, bro. Cause you're like, no, like you, you're so steadfast in knowing that that's not your name. I can throw out a label at you and say you're hard headed or you're difficult. If I tell you enough times that that's the case yeah. and, you know, you got to start to think about who people say you are, that may pop in your head, mm-hmm. even though it's not rooted in anything foundational or anything that's truly supported. It's still something that's been reinforced time and time again. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think our spirit, our soul knows the difference between certain things that we do, whether it's fake, it's pretend, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm-mm. in spaces that aren't really important, our, our, our bodies yeah it, it like if, if we if we like we think about the music we listen to we think about the shows that we watch you know it's all acting it's all stuff that's you know uh entertainment i got you bro like like even with uh even with impacts. acting like if like if this like if you like if you were to do a play bro and you had to kiss a girl yeah. in the play your brain doesn't know that you're you're, you're doing a play you're subconscious and, exactly. and who you really are and i think that's what you're speaking to mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of so uh settings like that where people don't know it's real you can even look at games you know if you play basketball or you start to get really competitive in the game i think your brain doesn't know that this doesn't matter <laughs> you know and right. sometimes that leaks right. through and that's when people get overly aggressive and overly um competitive in the environments where they don't really need to be right 100 percent, 100 percent, bro and i think that in itself is is a very telling sign that even if we feel like we're okay or there's things that, you know, you know, we're good overall, like that, just that check-in. And then I think that's essentially what I, what I got to in wanting to even do therapy was the fact that I want to just have that aspect of my life looked after just like I want to stay active, just like I want to be, you know, good at certain things. I, I put things in place. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to be more mindful in the way that I eat to ensure that my physical and my nutritional well-being is intact, I got to do the same thing with my mental. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it it literally is the most important thing because I use my mental in everything that I do. So if I'm not good for myself and I'm not well for myself, then that's going to bleed into every other thing that I involve myself with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, we talked about this before, bro. It's like, you know, you go to the dentist, you know, every, you know, so often you go to... um the doctor and all these other places. So why not, you know, also go to therapy? Why not also look after your mind in the same way that you look after everything else? You know, it's no different. 
you know, except for the social stigma behind it. Mm. Dang. Yeah, man. So I would just encourage those of you all who are listening that if you're in a position to, um, even if it's through your healthcare provider, if you have insurance in that way, to uh, begin exploring therapy um, is something that I feel like should definitely be necessary. I actually told told you this, Tony. Um, mm. I feel like, and I told my therapist that I feel like therapy, um, for me at least, in a in a perfect world, would be the accountability and the guidance and the insight and wisdom that I believe a father figure could have poured into me if there weren't other challenges in life that sometimes um, impact the way we, we, we interact with our loved ones, you know, um, it's that, it's that, that presence, that love, that intervention of like keeping ourselves on the right path, um, that I think is so, so, so crucial and important, um, and just our overall well-being. Yeah, for sure, man. I think, uh, just to add on to that is like, I think it's important to investigate, um, how you feel about topics um, as a whole, you know, but specifically therapy since we're on that topic. But, you know, if you look at your relationship to to religion, college, marriage, um, anything, I think it's very important to investigate why you feel the way you feel about whatever. So if you are thinking about therapy, or have ever considered therapy. Have you ever investigated what your thoughts are about talking to somebody about you and investigating yourself for yourself only? without having to check with somebody else and figure out what they thought or what you've been taught growing up or whatever the case is, if you've come from communities like ours, I think it's very important that you begin to identify yourself, identify who you are um, apart from you know all of the noise around us because we live in a very, very noisy world. And sometimes all of that noise gets in the way of, of what we're thinking and what we're feeling um, you know, for ourselves as individuals. So I think it's important um, if you're looking, Google um, some places, um, psychologytoday.com is a resource. I don't know if it's the best resource. If you have friends and people that are in therapy, um, reach out to them. I think uh, if you want to reach out to us, um, please do so. Um, I am not on Instagram as much anymore at all at the moment. Uh, so feel free to email me. My email is Antonio J. Bell, uh, sorry, AntonioBell77 at gmail.com. Antonio Bell 77 at Gmail. Um, but just just find different outlets to um and just and just do your research. Even talk to your, you know, like he said, your insurance providers or your doctors or whatever the case is, man. I think you know it's very important to do that kind of work because um a big thought for me of of this past couple of weeks has been the fact that we wake up every single day and we go to work for somebody else. We drag ourselves out of bed, we get dressed. You know, we have breakfast or coffee or we just go straight to work. And some days, if not most days, we don't feel like doing it. But we go because, you know, we need to, to pay our bills and, you know, we, we have this job, you know. But in a way, it's not we're not working for ourselves. We're not doing it for ourselves. But if you take us to Saturday or Sunday, you know, sometimes we, we can't get out of bed to work on our own projects. We can't get the motivation to work on our own things. And what I'm suggesting is taking back that power of working on self and you know the same discipline that you have to get up and go to work you know or or get up and help and, and and raise your kids it needs to be the same discipline you have to get up and love yourself 
Um, so yeah. No doubt. Thank y'all for listening to another episode of Helping Homies Win the Podcast. Um, we appreciate you as always. Please subscribe. Please leave feedback. If you feel like this is a message that can reach other people, please go ahead and share it. Let people know. And uh, most importantly, um, we just really appreciate and thank you for listening. Peace. Much love. Peace.